2: That's how I would summarize the Bengals loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one. But it's a little bit more than that. A lot went wrong. Some went right. We'll break it all down on today's episode of Locked on Bengals.
1: Locked on Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko. He's James Rapine. We're your hosts of the Locked On Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We appreciate all of you who make us your first listen and who subscribe on YouTube and follow on audio platforms. Unfortunately, the Cincinnati Bengals lose in week one in a wild and weird game. When we talked about this game in the preview, it was something that for me was a game that the Bengals would only lose if it was a really weird game. And I would call five turnovers for the Cincinnati Bengals. Many of those, well, all of those uh, out of Joe Burrow's hand by fumble or interception. And losing Clark Harris to a biceps injury covering a punt and then having to use Mitchell Wilcox to be your snapper with multiple opportunities to win the game off of kicks. Pretty weird, James.
0: It weird. It was a roller coaster. It was like uh, Son of Beast was rebuilt and, and brought back, and, and was people were getting hurt on it all over again, and this time it was built at Paycor Stadium, right? And some will get that reference. Some of you might not. But a point is, yeah, well, a hell of a week one, and uh, not what anybody anticipated. And that's the crazy thing. If you would have told me, Joe Burrow, five turnovers. T. Higgins misses the entire second half and part of the second quarter. And they look up, and they're driving downfield to go ahead, even against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I think you and I are still both right about Pittsburgh. They're a flawed team. I would have been surprised, and yet there they were. Time and time again. It felt like opportunity after opportunity. And we'll discuss all of them from the Jamar Chase, what could have been probably was a touchdown, and then he's rolled down at the one and they don't challenge it when they should have and rush up to the line. And that's really, really weird. Mm -hmm. Um, to the Minka Fitzpatrick pick six to start the game, and it just felt like the Bengals were on their heels throughout and trying to dig themselves out of this hole. It was it was a really, really weird game. And the thing that I really can't get out of my brain, Jake, is as I was in the Bengals locker room and I talked to Jamar Chase and I talked to different players and Burrow had done his press conference and Zach Taylor had done his press conference and you look over and it occurred to me, this is the first time that I've been in the locker room because of COVID following a Joe Burrow win, loss, draw, anything. And of course it was loss and it was probably the first time in his life that he'd thrown four interceptions and not that they were all on him but let's be honest he did not play well and, and I look over and he's like dip hand staring off into space his arms were folded for a bit and then he's just just there still got his pants on still got everything on uh, didn't have his shoulder pads on or his jersey but had like his undershirt on everyone else showered Ty had left other players had left Jamar was about to walk out and Burrow's staring straight ahead. And I saw him fist bump Tyler Boyd. Boyd held out his arm. Their, their lockers are right next to each other. I'm like, my God. Like, he was – whatever he was thinking, I'm curious. I didn't have the uh, whatever you want to say to go up to him <laughs> because why would you? He had already talked. but uh, And no one did for what it's worth. But, yeah, I, that's the, the image that's burned into my brain right now because I've never seen Joe Burrow in the locker room after a win or a loss. And obviously, Sunday's game for him was pretty rough.
2: Stoically ruminating in the corner is my imagination of this post-game Joe Burrow. And in his press conference, you could tell he's in no mood to really talk about the game. Every question about the game, I'll have to watch the tape. Uh, I I thought Hayden Hurst played pretty well on first look. I'll have to watch the tape. Commentaries to his teammates where he could be. Declined to really talk about his interceptions. Credited the Steelers to, to try to be classy and not provide bulletin board material, but often deferring to the tape. I, I think this is one of the worst games Joe Burrow has played as a Cincinnati Bengal. You could go back to his rookie year week five against the Baltimore Ravens this is the last time I think he looked this confused this consistently throughout a game. He did come back and I thought find some nice plays in the second half. It wasn't all bad for Joe, but a lot of the interceptions, maybe all of them, no three of them. Cause one of them was on a strip sack essentially. Three of them are from a clean pocket and are, are passes that he probably shouldn't have thrown reads that he needed to make better, or we'll see when we get the tape, there weren't better options. Maybe they are truly just fantastic defensive plays and coverage sacks. Maybe the, the one down the middle of the field, to Tyler Boyd is a, a good play. It seemed like the ball was a little bit behind from Joe Burrow. Didn't seem like great ball placement. So some things we're not used to from Burrow missing Mike Thomas down the left sideline late in the game as well. Uh, I thought that the pocket presence took some time to to settle in for him. I thought early in the game he he was looking more nervous in the pocket. I thought that got better as the game went on. So not all bad for Joe Burrow, but certainly I think the five interceptions or the five turnovers, sorry, are somewhat indicative of how he played. It's not all on him, of course. There was a Jamar Chase drop that could have gone for a big play as well, there was the Mike Thomas drop in the end zone. They lost T. Higgins, and the offensive line is much to your chagrin, James. A topic, and the Steelers knew where to attack. They often, I think, by alignment and by pre snap look, worked to get one on ones with Cordell Volson, but Alex Highsmith as well, getting the best of Jonah Williams far too many times. And so, that left side of the Bengals' offensive line. Left guard certainly under the microscope, but Jonah Williams didn't play all that well either. While I do think Ted Karras and Alex Kappa did acquit themselves fine, I thought they were totally fine out there, there's still question marks on this offensive line that needs to come together. And I know that it was a hard test in Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt, but they'll need to be better as the year goes on, and so will Joe Burrow. And so will uh, Collins, who I thought
0: you could group into the Jonah Williams territory. Um, But let's take the offensive line out of it. Joe Burrow... Well, I I mean, I think this was his worst game as a as a pro, and I think uh, the pocket presence part of it. He gets sacked on the first play, first play, second play, pick six, and it's just the disaster started there. And it's this team is way they're they're better than the Steelers. Like I don't feel that way, and I don't think that that's wrong. I also don't think you can do those things and continue to shoot yourself in the foot. And I want to get to Zach Taylor, too, which we can do maybe next. But you can't have offensive line breakdowns like you had, especially early, along with a quarterback who's going to turn the ball over like he did. And you're right. I mean, the the throws to Boyd, he had Boyd. If he put more air under it and pushed it farther, uh, you know, away from the defender and let Boyd run under it, I think he had him. I think – now, should we go back and look at it again? Yeah, but first reaction, I was like, oh, he had him. The T. Higgins one was just rough, the pick six. And uh, and so, yeah, it's um, really uncharacteristic. But, yeah, this offensive line, I think it's going to be a topic. I just <laughs> – I do. Cordell Volson, I was expecting him to have mistakes. All right. But I, I was I was wondering what we would see from Jonah. Is Trey Hendrickson just that damn good? Or does Jonah have as, as bad of a camp as it appeared at times? And, well, Highsmith had three sacks. <laughs> Highsmith was dominant and played very, very well and got after Burrow. It wasn't just Cam Hayward who made his plays, obviously, had the interception, had a sack, had some big plays. wasn't just T.J. Watt who had some big plays before he went down with what looked like a season-ending injury or sounds like at least. And that's the part where it's like, man, everyone's going to have pass rushers. Like, can yeah. you hold up some? And they couldn't, and they didn't. And so is that inexperienced together? Is that these guys aren't going to be as good as the Bengals had hoped? I hope it's the first one because we know the Steelers' defensive line is good. Guess what? There's a lot of good defensive lines in the NFL, especially among contending teams.
2: Especially in the AFC North. It doesn't necessarily get easier in Dallas on the early schedule as well with Micah Parsons and DeMarcus Lawrence and another pretty good defensive line a lot of things need to get better. Joe Burrow needs to get better from a clean pocket. The offensive line needs to get better and give him more of those clean pockets. But as we've discussed, I think, not Joe Burrow's sharpest game, although he did, as I tweeted, he threw some daggers late in the game that in any other circumstance win the game. And there was a reason the Bengals were in a position to still win the game despite all of the errors. And maybe they could have done more to be in a better position to win the game. I think that there is some praise to go around for the defense and some questions for Zach Taylor in this one that we should get to as we continue to recap week one coming up next. But first, a
0: word from Brightco, because you don't want to be that person, and you don't want it splattered all over the internet about, well, losing a special piece of jewelry, whether it's an engagement ring, whether it's a watch, whether it's a hot take chain. You gotta get that stuff insured. You're spending a lot of money on diamonds, jewelry, earrings. And you need to get that insured. Because if you get it insured, you're gonna get a full replacement for the full value of that ring. No matter if it's lost, stolen. All you have to do is go to brightco.com, bright.co, excuse me, forward slash locked on. Bright.co forward slash locked on. It's the fastest and easiest way to cover your butt, which Let's be honest here. I think all of us are looking for a little more insurance. So, again, go to bright.co forward slash locked on to protect that engagement ring, those earrings, that hot take chain today.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: Gotta get it for that hot take chain. That's that's the most important piece of jewelry that we've got so far. <laughs> James, you mentioned Zach Taylor. We can go there now. There are two particular... Highlights or lowlights for Zach Taylor in this game. There's probably more that can be discussed. There, there could be a broader conversation around the design of the offense and sequencing of plays and play calling. And I'm sure we'll have time to get into that as the season goes on. Some mitigating factors there this week. It was a weird game script. It was a weird game. You you turn the ball over a bunch. So, so some weirdness there. But two things that I think are pretty cut and dry that I think Taylor regrets and I think kind of admitted as much in his post-game press conference are not challenging the Jamar chase catch that was ruled out of bounds at the one yard line when I thought clearly was a touchdown. And as you mentioned, James hurried up to the line and, and got the playoff quickly. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe the play goes too quick and there's not good communication there. Also wasn't good communication on the final punt of the game when The backup long snapper, Mitchell Wilcox, finally was able to provide a playable snap to to Kevin Huber. Unfortunately, he didn't get it done on an extra point attempt or a field goal attempt that could have won the Bengals a game. And that snap comes too early in the play clock when the Bengals could have bled at least another 10 seconds off, if not just take the delay of game. That seems like something easy enough to communicate. Take the five-yard penalty. Give yourself a little bit more room to kick. Ends up Mm -hmm. a touchback anyway. And then you take another 13 seconds off the clock. The Steelers were very tight on time at the end, and that could have made a difference. Well, that's the point right there, because I get not wanting to put pressure
0: on Mitch Wilcox, who was thrown into a rough situation, a tough situation. And anyone can say, oh, well, yeah, he's the backup long snapper. He needs to be able to. Fine, I get it. I understand it. And no one knows that more than him, believe me, at the same time. I get what Zach Taylor said afterwards. He was like, okay, well, what we're going to do is just try to get a good snap and, and make that worth it. Uh, that's fine. I understand it. But time, that's what you're battling right now, time. So take off all 13 seconds. Get the delay of game. The Steelers might decline it, but this way the clock is stopped. This way you don't have to worry about when Mitch is going to snap it and make sure the communication is right and make sure all those things. Now the pressure's free. Hey, Mitch, don't worry about the clock. Just go out there and snap it. Breathe, and that's the part you saying that it hit it right on the head. Because, holy smokes, what are you doing? Just take the damn penalty. Yeah. And situationally, I don't question the culture. I don't question a lot of you know the offense and the the play calling. And you can go back and rep any play caller anytime. Right now, I don't think it's any of that. The question I had coming into this year about Zach Taylor was situations. Will he be okay in these situations? The Green Bay game last year stands out like a sore thumb. Uh you want to talk about sticking out like a sore thumb, San Francisco. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. And and now, guess what? A year from now, I might be talking about, hey, remember that Pittsburgh game week one? Remember that? When they, you know, because the taking a delay of the game was a no-brainer there. The other one, not, not challenging the Jamar touchdown. I don't know why mm-hmm. you would hurry. Zach after the game talked about uh, well, it's the hardest part of the field for us to see, as in us, the coaches from that side. And I get it. It's across the field, it's the far pylon. I understand it. Well, damn it. Someone should be watching because I was like, I think he got in. And I didn't have eight angles. And I'm sure you might have seen more angles than I have. But I was like, I think he got it. No one's saying, hey, we might want to challenge it. And then the worst part about it, they run to the line, they lose yards and then they burn the timeout that they would have lost if they failed the challenge anyways. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, my God. So you burn it down. You're on the four-yard line instead of the one, and it would have been a touchdown. And the other part of it is, as bad as Joe Burrow was in this game, that's when he started moving the ball. They went down the field that drive, could have been a touchdown. The next drive, touchdown. The next one, and there's the next situational point that we can talk about. Overtime, the 29-yard field goal, I understand it, kicking on third down, mm-hmm. they had driven sixty-two yards. I understand kicking on third down, but if the snap is bad, and he said the plan was, Zach said basically the plan was if uh, if Kevin Huber didn't think he could get it down, that they could clock it. You know, he'll sit on it and they'll kick it again. I understand that, but that was a high snap. It was a very high snap.
1: It was not a good so snap. Like,
0: I, in Evan McPherson took blame afterwards, but man, that's it should have been game over multiple times and they might've won this game. They, they might've scored back-to-back touchdowns in the fourth quarter with Jamar Chase because he's yep. doing Jamar Chase things.
2: How about the catch that wasn't for Jamar Chase, by the way, while we're on the topic of Jamar oh. Chase doing Jamar Chase things, oh. and we'll, we'll talk more about the things that went well. Jamar Chase was just... what went well for this offense: a one handed catch where they ruled. And I think rightly so that his second foot came down on the clock, on the sure. chalk that if he, if he makes that play, absolutely nutty. People are crowning Deontay Johnson for a nice catch for the Steelers in overtime. S- some some Twitter account, I don't remember which one, calling it catch of the year's over, which is ridiculous because it's like a fine but not insane catch, in my opinion. Uh, that, that Jamar Chase catch, on the other hand, would have certainly been in the running given the situation. But, James, going back to Taylor, I think we've hit the points. I, I also question... The offensive design. This is something that I think will require more tape review, more film review. It felt like early, in particular, or, or like the middle part of the game, second, third quarter. Pittsburgh was keying on alignment. They were looking at, okay, under center, single back. They're they're cheating. Shotgun. They're cheating. And, and to be fair, the Bengals did exploit these things a few times, but. There are a few head scratchers as well. A trap protection that saw Cordell Volson come from left guard across the formation to try to block T.J. Watt. Pretty Predictably, work. that doesn't go well. Um, you know, there's some some head scratchers, I think, where, where they're getting a little bit too cute as well. But in general, on the offensive side of the ball, and from a Taylor perspective, yeah, the, 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 there are some head scratchers. There are some things to clean up, and there are some – Some trends. The challenge one is particularly weird to me. I don't know if maybe Burrow got them to the line too quickly before Taylor got the buzz in his headset that said, hey, you might want to challenge that. Um, But but you're right. I mean, to me, the live view on TV, and I'm watching on TV, of course, is touchdown. I'm like, yeah, he had the ball in his right hand. That's over his right foot. His right foot is on the line. That is probably a touchdown. And I was very surprised to see that they ran a play right away. Um, Now you have first and goal from inside the one, you should probably score a touchdown there too. So not just necessarily the 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 lack of a challenge, but also, you know, your inability to get in from the half yard line is a problem for this offense as well. The offense though, like despite the turnovers, and this probably says more about Pittsburgh's offense and the Bengals offense, was essentially as efficient as Pittsburgh's offense. Uh which kind of makes well, me were, think, and I think I treated this at halftime, like what if the Bengals had just handed the ball off for the entire first half? <laughs> Literally just hand the ball for the entire first half. How different is this game? You know, not that not that you would ever realistically do that, but I'm just the point is if they had come out more conservatively or, or taking care of the ball, Pittsburgh's offense was non existent in this game. And and that's where I want to go next is to the Bengals defense, which I thought played incredibly well despite some complaints about the pass rush not doing enough or or not creating enough splash plays I I thought the defense was really good in this game James
0: that's probably the one thing we did get right in our prediction because we certainly didn't think Joe Burrow was going to throw four picks but we did think that the Bengals defense would play well so yeah let's talk about that next right here on Locked on Bengals
2: before we do and talk about what went well, well, I hope your DFS for week one of the 2022 regular season is going well over with our friends at Prize Picks. My favorite thing about Prize Picks is you're not competing against the thousands of people that play elsewhere. You just have to beat the Prize Picks projections. It's an easy system. And that's what I love about it. You pick two to five players and whether they'll score more or less in their projection, and you can win up to 10 times your money. On any entry, it's just you against the projections, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey, golf, college football, you name the sport. They even have disc golf, European basketball, cricket, name the sport. They have a DFS option for you. Entries can be made in less than 60 seconds. It's that easy. It's operational in over 30 states and Canada. And you can download the PrizePix apps right now by going to prizepix.com or go to prizepicks.com, sorry, and sign up to play daily fantasy sports, you can receive a 100% deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's 100% deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON at PrizePicks.
0: And now it's time to tell you about a local sponsor that we are so excited to have on board here at Locked on, Bengals. Bengals fans were excited to tell you about Schultz & Sons Jewelers. Matt Schultz is a third-generation jeweler located in Fort Mitchell. It's a local establishment that opened in 1953 and has been serving Cincinnati ever since. And Schultz & Jewelers, they're a member of the American Gem Society. Only 1 in 20 jewelers, that's 5%, Jake did the math for me, have met. The exact requirements necessary to be a part of membership of the AGS. They are big Bengals fans at Schultz and Sons shoulders which is another reason why we're really excited to have them here on Locked On Bengals. And you gotta keep, you gotta check them out right now. So it's pretty simple. You go to twenty two zero two Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell, and When you're looking for that special piece, whether it's an engagement ring, whether it's a hot take chain, whether it's a watch, whether it's some earrings for a loved one for yourself, stop by and tell them that you too are a Bengals fan. Again, 2202 Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell. You can also check out SchultzDiamonds.com. That's S-C-H-U-L-Z-Diamonds.com.
2: The defense played lights out in this game, James. I said when Chris Carter projected predicted six scoring opportunities for the Pittsburgh Steelers, that the only way that would happen is if things got really weird. Pittsburgh ended up with one, two, three, four, five scoring opportunities, and things were pretty dang weird, I would say. Uh, Most of those Pittsburgh scoring opportunities, especially in regulation, came on short fields after turnovers. The Steelers scored a field goal after a 32-yard drive that started at the Cincinnati 34. They had a pick six. They had a touchdown that started from their own forty-one, and they had a field goal that started from the Cincinnati forty-five. So the the only times Pittsburgh scored in regulation were drives that started within ten yards or closer of the of the fifty. The the Bengals defense they they didn't have many sacks. BJ Hill credited for a sack when Mitch Trubisky ran out of bounds. They didn't have any takeaways, but. The Pittsburgh offense, despite those things, was almost as inefficient as an offense that gave up six sacks, seven sacks, seven, seven, seven. sacks and and five turnovers. But by, by EPA per play, Pittsburgh's offense and regulation was probably just as bad and with overtime thrown in might have been a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But that's a credit to, I think, the the defensive line, absolutely dominant in run defense and Pittsburgh just didn't have any faith in Mitch Trubisky to drop back and pass. Pittsburgh had very few real passing snaps where it was an actual drop back that wasn't quick game, that wasn't play action, that wasn't misdirection. Most of Pittsburgh's big plays came off of misdirection or a flea flicker. I think that's two things. One, Pittsburgh knows they don't have a quarterback that they can trust. And two, the Bengals defense is really good. The front seven played fantastic. I thought the corners and secondary played really well as well all-around great effort from the Bengals' defense. And while the offense was ugly, and you might look at it and say, ah, they don't deserve to win the game. They turned it over five times. The defense did. Honestly, both defenses did. But the Bengals' defense should not go unappreciated, even though the final score says 23-20. to
0: Yeah, you're right. No, they're the MVP, right? If there was an MVP, they would be it. And they're the reason that the the Bengals were still in it and could drive down and go down. I mean, they forced eight punts eight and that was when they were put in some bad situations. They forced field goals early, uh, and kept the Bengals in it um, when they needed to. And you really can't fault them for anything they did now. Could you say, I wish they would have forced a turnover or two? Yeah, Trey Andrickson was really close to stripping mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky one time. You know, I, I think they were they were close on a couple and sometimes it just doesn't bounce your way. And I thought that they showed incredible resolve. Because it would have been easy midway through the third, even midway through the fourth, to look over at Joe and Jamar and come in and be like, what the hell are y'all doing? Can you wake up? (laughs) Can you wake up and help us out a little bit? And so that's the part I'm impressed with is this team. One, Burrow still got hit a ton through all those picks and was still able to rebound enough to get it to where they got it. And that's not enough. You need to win the game. Jamar Chase, what did he do? He rebounded from the uh, the penalty that was called on him, the um, what was it, the M Sportsman-like conduct penalty. He rebounded from the drop in the fourth quarter. Like these guys, they're just really resilient in, in the defense. That's the stabilizing force for this team. It just is. And they deserve credit for that. And, man, it's a shame. It's a shame that they – that it's an L, right? It's almost like a starting pitcher in baseball. Yeah. And, and everyone gets the L, and that's why you can't look at wins and losses for the starting pitcher. Well, damn it, the defense went out there and tossed the shutout. and they're, it, it, Honestly, I mean, they didn't get... For what the positions they were put in, they did about as well as you could ask. And it stinks that they get hit with the L today.
2: Yeah, for for plays that were designed to be runs... Besides Chase Claypool. And like I said, they got they got a couple times on misdirection stuff. But Najee Harris, 2.3 yards per carry. Jalen Warren, 2.3 yards per carry. Mitch Trubisky, 5.1 yards per attempt. And and like didn't really do anything except like throw the ball away when it could have been a safety. I think that might have been his best play in the game. They could have also called in the grasp on that play and put the Steelers on the one instead of giving Mitch Trubisky an incomplete pass. But the, the defense did play very well, and, and you make a great point about the resilience of this team. There are things that need to be corrected. No doubt about it. Left guard needs to be better. Left tackle needs to be better. I think Collins needs to be better, although I don't think that he was necessarily first viewing as bad as left guard and left tackle in this game. Joe Burrow needs to be better. Coaches need to be making better decisions, but... They were in a position to win this game. And like any other week, they win this game. Uh, I think. Clark Harris doesn't get hurt most of the time covering a punt and and hurting his bicep. And and I unfortunately saw it as it happened. I thought he hurt his hand, but it turned out to be worse. If you have Clark Harris, you win that game in regulation. Yep. Even with the five turnovers. Even with even with the, the way even with Joe the challenge, got that hit. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because the defense, after like going for it on the on the on your goal line and not getting it, Jamar Chase makes this this emotional mistake. He grabs somebody's mouthpiece and gets a ten yard penalty, fifteen yard penalty, whatever for taunting. Uh, the Steelers guy was in his face too. I don't know why those don't offset. I don't. I don't know. Officials are going to official, I guess, with the taunting penalty. But gives the Steelers breathing room. The Bengals get the ball back. They go down and score on, on fourth down, right with with time. Yeah expiring and that wins the game. Most of the time, Joe Burrow, I think threw like four game winning touchdown passes in this game and only one of them counted. And then they missed the extra point for, for like drops or stepping barely out of bounds or, or whatever reason.
0: Yeah. Well, let's count them. The Jamar chase challenge. That wasn't that's one. Yep. Right. Mm And that would have been technically the game winner at the time. Um, And it was earlier in the fourth quarter, you know, just past midway through Uh, the one to Mike Thomas, that was dropped. Mm-hmm. That's one. The one that actually counted to Jamar Chase. There's three. Am I missing
2: one? Is there another one? The the toe tap on what could have been an insane catch. Oh, that's where, right. Where yeah, 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 that's
0: right. I forgot about that one. So three to Chase, one to yeah. It's uh. Whew. So it, it, here's what I'll say. Hopefully, we get a good update on T. Higgins, Clark Harris. It is serious, so it'll be catamitous for those wondering. It, it's catamitus time for for Bengals. Uh, unfortunately, but at least they do have a long snapper. That's been with the team all off season. Yeah. Unfortunately, the NFL doesn't allow you to activate practice squad players mid game. Cause this would have been a lot easier if that was the case.
2: So many chances and, and a laces out hold or laces in hold laces out on, on the one that McPherson missed from 29. Well, that's, that, that's why I'm surprised Huber didn't just eat it. He
0: knows what I good snap too. is. Like that's because honestly, if you were going to do that, you might as well kick it on fourth down and give your offense one more play.
2: Yeah. If you're going to have, if you're not going to kill the field goal when you're reaching that high above your head. And I understand it's hard to do split, split second decision-making. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's a tough one. The Bengals should have won this game. I think they are a better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers who have a good defense. They, the Defensive stars for the Steelers play great today and are the reason the Steelers won the game in the end. Mika Fitzpatrick made plays. T.J. Watt made plays. Cam Hayward made plays. Alex Highsmith made plays. That being said, the Bengals had every opportunity to do it as well. They They just, you know, if it could go wrong, it went wrong in this one. I do think that the Bengals' defense is very good. I'm excited to see them continue to play well. I do have one question for Luana Ruma, which was the final or second-to-last defensive play of the game where they show zero and they line up flat, essentially on the target marker for uh, Pittsburgh to kick a game-winning field goal. And they don't break downhill on the ball quickly enough and the blitz doesn't get home. And that gives Pittsburgh the yards they need to make that field goal much easier. But that's really the only, only question I have for the defense who I thought... Again, played really well, especially DJ Reader. Shout out DJ Reader, who has shown, again, for like the 30th time that when he's in the game, running the ball is just a bad idea. And that's a weapon. We'll have more time to digest the game, to get into the film. And, well, the Bengals move on. They're 0-1. They travel to Dallas next week for a late start, late window start in Dallas. And they'll need to avoid an 0-2 start. At least that's what conventional wisdom would say. And certainly what the Bengals are looking to do is they look to bounce back from the 23-20 Week 1 weird loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. day, and have a good one.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.